This is day three of week seven, our look through the book of Isaiah. We're continuing to look at Isaiah chapter 53 today, this incredible chapter. Yesterday, we looked at the prophetic fulfillment that we see in Isaiah 53. There are many ways to look at the truth of this amazing chapter. We could study it for a month. The next couple of days, we're going to take a look at how six of your deepest longings are met by what Jesus did for you on the cross. Beginning with number one, we long to understand what's happening in this world. What's going on? What's this world all about? What's happening? This is a longing that's met at the cross. This is a longing for wisdom. Actually, Isaiah chapter 52, the end of the chapter, begins to talk about this when it says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. That's verse 13. And then 15 says, So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. That last phrase is quoted in the book of Romans. Rather, it's written, Those who were not told about him will see. Those who have not heard will understand. Romans 15, 21. Verse 13, when we talk about the longings, the needs of our life that are met, by what Jesus did for us on the cross, it starts with the word see. I want you to see that my servant will act wisely. Now that word wisely in the Hebrew language, it has the idea of accomplishing its intended purpose. My servant will accomplish the purpose from which he sent. The greatest wisdom is actually in accomplishing God's purpose. The reason I need wisdom and the greatest way I can live out wisdom is by getting wisdom to accomplish God's purpose and using that wisdom to live out God's purpose. That's what it means to be wise, is to live for God's purpose. And that's what Jesus did. That's what the cross was all about, accomplishing God's purpose of forgiveness, of salvation for you and I. Now, what is it that we need to see? What is it we need to understand? If we're gonna have this longing met in our lives, we need to see what God is doing in this world. Because in the end, it is God's will that's going to be done. You can see what's in the newspapers. You can see what's of interest to you today. And those are all great things, but they're not going to last. God's will is going to last. So what is God doing? These verses remind us God is working to bring salvation to the people of the world. He is using every event in history, the good that he works and even the evil that he allows to work toward bringing salvation to as many as possible, to all that he has chosen. So this world's history is not just about this world's history. It's about what God is doing as he looks towards eternity. Did you notice that phrase? He will sprinkle many nations and he will silence many kings. He will shut the mouths of the kings. He will sprinkle many nations. They knew, those who first read this knew that the sprinkling of blood was the role of a priest. It was the offering of forgiveness. He will sprinkle many nations. He will offer salvation, forgiveness to many nations. And he'll silence many kings. The nations are surprised by the way that God works here. And wisdom, not just for the nations, but for you and I, is knowing that you'll often be surprised by the way that God works. If I'm going to understand what this world is all about, I've got to understand it's not all about this world. It's really about what God is doing to bring as many as possible to salvation so we can enjoy an eternity with him. That's one of the longings of our soul that's satisfied by understanding what happened at the cross. A second longing is this. We long to know God. We long to be in relationship to God. And Jesus came so that we could know God, God in human flesh. Jesus came as God in human flesh so that we could know God and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
In verse 2 of Isaiah 53, he, Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. And like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. To know God, our first step, my first step, your first step, is humility. Humility before God. Humility to know that I need God. The humility to recognize that these verses that I just read, they're not about someone else or some other time. They're also about me. They're also about right now. We know as we read these verses that on the cross, they saw Jesus as unattractive. They despised Jesus on the cross. But in humility, I have to say, I've seen Jesus as unattractive. I've despised Jesus. Despise, this Hebrew word does not mean hated in the same way as we think. It more has the idea of ignored, to see something as worthless, as not worthy of our attention. So when we talk about despising Jesus. It's not looking at the cross and being sickened by Jesus's appearance. To despise Jesus is to walk past the cross in the midst of your busy day, not even stopping to look. And by that definition, I've despised Jesus more often than I'd like to admit. Before I was a believer, I certainly did. Not trusting in him for salvation, walking my own way, trying to make my own way, figure out my own way. But even as a believer, I have to admit in humility, there was those times when I just walk right past him, trusting in my plans instead of his will, seeking pleasures in the things that I think will give me pleasure rather than in what he says will bring me the goodness of God in my life. As a believer, though this is hard to admit, any time I choose my way instead of Jesus's way, I'm in that moment despising. I'm seeing as unattractive, as not worthy Jesus' offer of direction and grace. So to have this longing of my soul, to know God met, I've got to have the humility to recognize, to recognize that sometimes I walk right past God and don't notice him, despise him. I got to let go of my pride as the first step in beginning a relationship with God, and then also as the first step each day in growing in that relationship with God. The humility to recognize how deeply I need God and how many times I don't admit that need. There's a third need we're going to look at today that Isaiah 53 talks about, third longing that God meets. We long for the freedom of forgiveness, and that is a longing that is met by what happened at the cross. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our iniquities. This is the truth of the substitution of Jesus Christ. That he substituted himself for you. When the Bible talks about Jesus' suffering, it does not mean that he suffers with us. He does suffer with you. He hurts when you hurt, but that's not what we're talking about on the cross. It doesn't mean that he suffers with us. It means that he suffered for us, 
for our transgressions, for our iniquities. It was on him. He suffered for your transgressions. He paid the price. And so he can meet this need, this longing for forgiveness, because now it's not built on what you do anymore. We long for forgiveness and we try to get forgiveness by doing good things in our lives. But something deep in us knows there's not enough good things that I can do. Because the more layers of onion that I peel off in my life, the more I realize, oh, there's some rotten spots there. Now there's some other rotten spots. seems like I can never get to the bottom of it. Jesus died for it all, for my transgressions, for your iniquities. So look at the exchange that's made on the cross here. He took your punishment and he brought you peace. He was wounded for your sin and he brought you healing. This is an unbelievable grace of God. Imagine Jesus coming to you and saying, okay, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do. All the punishment that you deserve for your sins, I'm going to take that for you. Uh, but you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to take this peace that I'm offering to you. Or Jesus saying to you, you know, all the wounds that you deserve for your sin, I'm going to take all those wounds for you. But you're going to have to take something from me. You're going to have to take my healing. It's so beyond belief that some can't believe it. They just can't think that something that good could be true. But God is a good God. God has intended from the very beginning to bring us back to him. So, of course, it's true. Of course, Isaiah 53, 12 was true. He poured out his life unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. At the cross, Jesus meets the deepest longing of our soul. Let's pray together. And Father, we just tell you we're grateful. We're grateful for all that was done for us on the cross. Jesus, you gave your life for us so that we could experience forgiveness. You were punished and you brought us peace. You were wounded and you gave us healing. Thank you. We're grateful for the grace that you've poured out on us. In your name, we praise you. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look at three more longings that are satisfied at the cross.